Hello, Franklin County, and welcome to Talk at a County. I'm Kenneth Wilson, uh, your county administrator, and I'm pleased to be here today with two outstanding um, civic leaders in our community who happen to be the top uh, leaders in art in Central Ohio. Uh, the CEO of the Columbus Museum of Art, Brooke Comento, and uh, the CEO of the Greater Columbus Arts Council. They are truly uh, rock stars in the area of art uh, and esteemed leaders. Um, we are fortunate enough to be welcoming uh, Brooke to our community, uh, and, and you're in your first year as the yeah. CEO uh, of this institution surrounded by just beautiful art uh, from all over um, and I we were lucky to get you because you are you've been uh, highlighted in, in, in national publications uh, you are a uh, e emerging uh, star uh, each and every day um, you are one of those people that uh, in this industry uh, that represent um, diversity, equity, and inclusion in a very large way in an in a, in a area where um, inclusion has been questioned in our, in, our, in our history when we talk about those that uh, enjoy fine art. Um, and and, and uh, Tom, you've, you've, you've held many hats. We're, <laughs> we're just going to limit our conversations today around your decade uh, at the helm of uh, the Greater uh, Columbus Arts Council. And I know that that is a dynamic uh, position because as a, a, a longtime member of this community, this community uh, is, is very uh, art-centric. Um, we connect art with economic development. We collect art with um, physical wellness, we connect art um, <clears throat> with um, childhood development, art connects with so many things. So you two are in a dynamic position. Uh, when I think about uh, both of your organizations and I think about um, our uh, COSI, uh, our science uh, a museum, having the American Museum of Natural History, Central Ohio is a hub uh, for art and the creative class. Many don't know that, that Columbus is about art and very much about fashion. Um, and we have more in common with New York and San Francisco, for example, than most people would realize. Um, so you all are in a unique position uh, to uh, amplify um, the fact that this community believes in art, invests in art, uh, and has a, um, a strong infrastructure that has been uh, put in place and there's dedicated funding uh, for the arts. Uh, so while we're not a, uh, a very uh, old community compared to others, we have um, um, made up for that, uh, in, in my <clears throat> opinion. Uh, but let's lead off on uh, talking about uh, ways in which uh, the, the art community uh, addresses issues of diversity and in inclusivity. Um, how do we in this community make art accessible to every resident every day? 
So I can start with that yeah. if you'd like. Um, sure, go so ahead. thank you for the question. Um, and thank you for the support that the county gives the arts in mm -hmm. Franklin County. It's significant to us. We value it incredibly. So I have to start by thanking you for that. Uh, diversity inclusion is number one priority. It's key to our strategic plan. We live it every day. It starts with the board, the staff, the things that we fund, the things, a lot of the things that we do with the art museum. So we live it every day. Um, our board completely reflects the population of the county and the city, which I think is significant and important. Um, our staff reflects the county and city population also. We fund many programs that are completely targeted to DEI things. Actually, it makes me think of one that we do with the art museum here, and that's the Amina Robinson Fellowship, which uh, is a complete partnership with the art museum. They own Amina's house. We select uh, a local fellow and a national fellow every year, and uh, they get to stay at the house. There's actually, I think, now four, as many as four fellowships, yeah. four people moving through there every year. It is targeted to black artists, period, end of discussions. No one else can apply for that. And we might have the only one in the United States of that magnitude. So we live this every day. We have a group of individuals called the Navigators. There's 30 of them that represent us in Franklin County that are uh, compensated by us. They know, have been trained in all of our programs. It's a richly diverse group of people. They're trying to um, educate artists about what we do, how they can get money from us. It's, this is the second year of it. We're very proud of that program. So going back to your original question, we live this every day. I know it's the same at the Art Museum here, too. Yeah, no, I agree. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, Ken, for having us. Um, as you mentioned, I'm not even into my first year. I'm eight months in. And I think your question um, reminds me a lot of the process uh, that I went through in deciding whether or not to come to Columbus. Um, I met Tom very early in that time when I was deciding to make the move to come here. Um, but I think your question reminds me of a lot of things that I was thinking about early on as I was making this transition. Um, as you mentioned in your introduction, the arts and culture writ large are bedrock to life and, and lifestyle in Columbus and around the central Ohio region. And while I didn't know the Midwest well prior to moving here, getting to know Columbus, that was clear. Um, you know, we are a wonderful mid-sized city, but one that's growing and developing, and I think that's really exciting. It's a really wonderful time to live here. Um, but even before all of that growth, the art museum was central to culture and to life in Columbus, and that's something that was really attractive to me. I came to this museum, and I met the staff, I met the leaders, I saw the collection, and it was clear that this has always been central to life and lifestyle. So. I go back to that to say many of the things you described about this region is what made it attractive to, to change my life and to come here. That said, um, I wouldn't be here if the leadership of this institution didn't feel strongly that this museum needs to reflect the growing and changing Central Ohio demographic. Um, I have worked in museums for over 20 years in cities of different sizes, New York City, but then also New Orleans, Miami, I've worked abroad in Cape Town, cities with different kinds of diversity, but also different relationships to its institutions. Um, 
And CMA is just a really wonderful place in that it has been for many years, visitor-centered, community-centered, learning has been at the forefront of our mission. And we truly are here in the service of everyone in this community. I think my priority over the next coming years is to make sure that we're hitting all of those demographics and to ensure that we can scale and transform our programs to meet the changing needs of Columbus and the Central Higher Region. You know, we have growing immigrant populations in this community. We have change and transformation happening of all kinds with the transplants that are coming to this area. And I want to be sure that the museum is meeting the needs of its audiences um, and that, you know, newcomers understand how important this institution has been for so many years and that they feel just as much closeness and connectivity to CMA as those who have grown up here and lived here for generations. Yes. Rook, during our first introduction, you said something to me uh, that stuck and it, 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 it told me that you were the right fit uh, for this community. And you, you may not remember this, you, you talked about the art museum uh, opening up the front door. Yeah. Having the art museum accessible. Yeah. Um, you know, bringing, you know, awakening the art museum for everyone. Uh, and there's been, you know, there's been, there's been, you know, that thought when you think about free admission on um, Sundays uh, for Franklin County residents. But that intentionality in your statement mm -hmm. stuck with me, you yeah. know that this uh, amazing building of, of, of so much art and it uh, being uh, accessible mm -hmm. and being able to amplify and express to the community that our door is open for you, mm -hmm. um, that, is, is, that this art is for everyone's enjoyment mm -hmm. and you just never know what young person comes through here and they will be touched uh, that may have not been exposed, may have not known of art being amplified in this way. So yeah. that was one thing that... Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like a fresh set of eyes. Like you said, we've had free Sundays for quite some time now, and we actually were just recipients of a very transformative three-year gift that will allow free Sundays to continue through 2026 from um, the Art Bridges Foundation in Arkansas. It was a national grant program, so we're excited to be able to continue that. But I say that to say, um, coming here, I've not only been thinking about the collection, but also about architecture. Um, as much as it defines the collection and who we are, we have this wonderful building that we're in right now that's a historic 1931 kind of Greco-Roman temple, if you will. And then we have this beautiful expansion that's one of the most wonderful examples of contemporary architecture that was added on to the museum in 2016. And the conversation you were reflecting on had me thinking about architecture a lot and how do young people, how do newcomers to this community understand the museum before they walk through the doors? Um, I've talked to people who have passed us on Broad Street and some people think that the museum is just the classical architecture building. They don't necessarily realize if they haven't been here that the contemporary add-on is part of the same institution. Mm -hmm. And part of thinking about reopening the front doors on Broad Street is really helping people to understand from all angles that this is a warm and welcoming cultural institution for it to have more vibrancy in life on the main street, um, but also to just you know redefine it for, 
for not only people who've lived here, this institution, but for newcomers who don't know necessarily what these edifices hold within them. Right, right, right. You know, we, we live in a, in a very serious world and there's, you know, a strong emphasis placed on science, strong emphasis placed on technology, a strong emphasis placed on engineering, and all of those things are extremely important. Um, the big Intel announcement or, or what Google has planned next or what Amazon, all of those things are great, but art provides us a, a wholeness uh, that can't be uh, forgotten and is an important part of an individual's creative nature oh, yeah. to see art. And everyone uh, that looks at a piece of art sees something different in it. Mm -hmm. None of us see the same thing when we look at a piece no, of I art. No, I think that very often those two things aren't tied together, aren't technology, and we have to <laughs> remind ourselves that how much they are. Um, our educators here feel strongly that championing creativity and innovation in young people and just allowing them to experiment, to take chances, really leads to all of the sort of excellence that can develop as you learn more technical sciences, technology, and so forth. But it's that early championing of experimentation and innovation that allows you to think differently. And mm -hmm. I hate the cliche, but outside the box. Right, right. Because we all have <laughs> unique gifts. Yeah. I'm only good at writing down numbers. And I learned that very early on. Mm -hmm. uh, that my, I didn't like my artwork when they'd say, OK, here you get this piece of paper and these crayons. And I'm like, oh, I, this is not. I don't have a future here, but I know good art when I see it. I know something that I like. But if you ask me to draw it, that's going to be a problem. So. That's why I took a liking to numbers, and I figured if I could add numbers together, I might that might be some way for me to uh, get grounded and just admire those with creative skills to write. You know, Ken. One of the big initiatives we have this year is the public art plan. Yeah. And the Franklin County commissioners have graciously funded our efforts on that. Jamie Goldstein is leading that work for us. We're going to begin to roll it out on January 31st at the Columbus Metropolitan Club. Probably by mid-year, June, July, we'll have a plan for the county and the city on this. The city and county are hungry. Citizens are hungry. We've done polling research on this, and it's unanimous that the city, people that live in this county, want more public art. So we're going to get to that this year. We'll have a plan for it. We need a funding source, both for the creation of it and the maintenance of the public art that we have this public art throughout mm -hmm. the outside of this building and around this building. It's mm -hmm. tremendous on the CCAD campus next door. Uh, so we're quite excited about that. And that's definitely one of the themes of the year in art this year. So, yeah. so Tom, on that note, talk about what role public art plays in creating a sense of identity and pride amongst residents and how this plan you outlined will, yeah. will, so will assist yeah. in that. You ticked off a few things at the beginning of this conversation, but it, there's a list of like 10 benefits to having yeah. public art, and certainly civic pride is near the top. But there's economic development reasons to do that. On new developments, there should be public art, new buildings that are being built. We should be able to set aside money to do that. There's health and wellness benefits for just beautification of the city. Um, and so it's all of that. The, there will be so many benefits to this when we get this underway. And you know, when you travel, you really admire it. And I'm not just talking about murals. I'm talking about 
other large major installations yeah. too. So well, mm -hmm. when I arrived in May, um, one of my very first weeks on the ground was um, the celebration of Janet Eckelman's current downtown at the intersection of Gay and High Streets, which is a new and growing arts district. Um, and it was just such a wonderful welcome to arrive in Columbus mm -hmm. and to know that you're doing this work and this deep research into public yeah. art and really talking with community members to understand what they want and yeah. need and what they expect. But then also to have this really wonderful work celebrating the history of Columbus, but also kind of signaling this sort of future right. of this part right. of downtown as right. a culture and district. Just and to add to that, we coincidentally happen to be in the Lisa and Jeffrey Edwards there you are. gallery here. There you are. He was the benefactor of that work, which just really having that happen coincident with this plan work mm -hmm. going on and just really plowing the city ahead. The art museum owns that mm -hmm. work and it's just fantastic. So I mean, it really gives us momentum. It mm -hmm. really yeah, brought yeah. some momentum to yeah. the and county. To your point about art, technology, STEM, all the rest, we get a lot of questions about that work. That work is somewhat seasonal. It'll go up every spring. It comes down at the end of the year in November. Um, but Janet is a phenomenal artist whose work blends all kinds of things, sculpture, architecture, technology. Um, and it's a wonderful teaching tool, you know, to think about not only art in public space, mm -hmm. but also what goes into uh, developing that kind of project. Um, there is a lot, it's a of, science lot of element. In that. There's yeah. a lot of science in that project. And a lot of engineering. The fabric that it's made out of, how it's hung from the four corners yeah. of the intersection. It's incredible. And that's just yeah. the work itself. Getting that project to come to be takes the collaboration of so many people, private and public entities, the city, you know, the arts council, the arts institutions, mm -hmm. philanthropists, mm -hmm. you know, who lead the initiative. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of complexity around mm -hmm. public art that I think it's, you know, it's the object itself, but also all of what goes on to make these works come to pass that are quite interesting as initiatives. Yes, yes, and art also ties into appeal um, to tourists and traveling tourism oh, yeah. is tourism. a gigantic uh, business here in Central Ohio and. Oh, you know, hopefully out of this public art project, Tom, maybe we'll get uh, what many people refer to as the Bean and Millennium Park in yeah. Chicago. No, we'll get that kind of, kind of hallmark. There will be installations of that magnitude here in different parts of the county that will drive tourism. People will come here to see, visit these institutions, but also to see the public art that we have. Yeah, and there's data that shows cultural tourists stay longer and they spend more. So it's good for economic development as well. Yeah, I mean, you just, um, you know, the work that Experience Columbus does in, in, in as a, a destination marketing organization, its success is also tied to the how um, vibrant our art scene right. is in our art community right. and having those uh, permanent installations that people can see and, and, and when they come to town, you could come to town for a sporting event, and after um, the game ends, you stay a couple of days over if there are things that attract you um, uh, to uh, spend more time. And all of those things allow for us to raise more revenue to take better there care of our yeah. residents mm -hmm. so yeah. it's, it's mm -hmm. all it's a, it's a it's cyclical mm -hmm. um the benefit um 
Brooke, could you talk a little bit about, um, you, you touched on it, sure. but what has been some of your first year experiences at the museum? Pleasant surprises and <laughs> pleasant challenges. Let's see, pleasant surprises, pleasant challenges. Well, I did mention this wonderful gift that we got from the Art Bridges Foundation. In addition to having wonderful local and community support, um, it was nice to be recognized through this national funding initiative and to have um, a national foundation recognize the importance of maintaining free Sundays here at Columbus Museum of Art and, and what that means for our community. So that was a nice surprise. Um, let's see. I also have been really excited about a partnership that we forged um, at a space that we have about five minutes from here where we are downtown in the short north. So you may know that a number of years ago in 2019, the museum was gifted a wonderful building. So we actually have a second space um, from the Pizzuti family. And for years, that building housed a private collection and functioned as an independent foundation and art space. But that building is now a part of the museum. And we were really fortunate to have this wonderful partnership with the art history department at OSU and to plan an exhibition over the last several years there. Um, it's, a, it's a surprise and an exciting opportunity in that the show that's currently on view, it opened in September and it remains on view through February, has been the, is really the result of almost like a kind of laboratory-like experience for uh, graduate students in the art history department at OSU. They worked alongside one of their professors, Chris Paulson, who's a contemporary art historian at OSU, to formulate an exhibition of a kind of mid-career artist, uh, one who's of indigenous descent from Los Angeles, to put together her first career survey and a very substantial and scholarly publication that accompanied the show. Now, that's a very long uh, description, but why it was interesting is that it showed me that we could not only do wonderful and innovative learning programs for young kind of K through 12 learners, but that we could also be a really generative um, uh, resource for advanced students. So graduate students earning their masters or their PhD at OSU. The result of this collaboration is not only a beautiful show, but again, this scholarly publication that I think you know, is, is just first in class. Um, the show has gotten recognition in the New York Times and so forth. So it was surprising because I didn't necessarily know this was on the horizon when I landed, but once I heard we were working on this project, I was not only excited with the artist who was selected for the exhibition, Sarah Rosalina, but also to meet wonderful collaborators at the university and wonderful students who've come out of this program who have this experience as young curators that the museum and the university help to facilitate that can then take them into their career. They can use this as a really substantive springboard to go out and now apply for curatorial roles, whether it's here or nationally, and have you know, a very substantial project on their CV, mm -hmm, a beautiful mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm. exhibition and curatorial experience, but also a publication that will go with them into their careers. And so I think for the museum to have been a part of that and to know that this is something we can continue to, to do, incubate future museum leaders, um, is really special and really exciting to me. As much as I think about the young ones all the time because they're here in the museum taking guided tours, to know that we can have young curators you know, getting their start in a space that is part of the museum was also really a wonderful surprise. What's, what's, you know, one of the really cool things about uh, Franklin County and Columbus is that we have a number of 
districts, and we are in the mm. in the center of the Discovery District. Right, and where I live you know, and work. Your neighbor is the Col Columbus College of Art and Design. So, yes. how, you know how how cool is that uh, to have students, you know, emerging. Um, the next, who knows, they are, could be in here down the road. Well, our history with them, I don't know if you know this, but we were Columbus Fine Art Gallery in school. So at one point, the museum and CCAD were a single institution when we were founded. And then in the 70s, 80s, we became two separate uh, nonprofits and CCAD became an independent school. But the uh, building that our administrative staff works in was former CCAD teaching hall. So we're like extended family. Yeah, I mean it's just it's, it's a beautiful thing, and as we grow and as the, as, the, as things continue to develop, you're just gonna roll right into the King Lincoln District, which has its own rich history mm -hmm. of art and music and theater uh, um, and, and, and highlighting the contributions uh, of, of historic African-Americans uh, here in, in Columbus and Franklin County. Yeah, there's some great landmarks over there. Lincoln Theater, King Arts yeah. Center. The I Pythian was, um, is now going to be developed, the Pythian Theater, yeah. by the Maroon Arts Group. It's all good. I was um, on a nice panel as part of my introduction to the city at the Lincoln Theater and had a chance to visit and tour and it's just such a wonderful facility and to learn about its history here in the community is really special. Um, and the Maroon Arts Group are folks who I met early days mm -hmm. when yeah. I was still a candidate for this job and um, I got to visit the theater and go behind the scenes with them and hear about their future plans and their fundraising work that they were doing and um, yeah, I think all of this development is really exciting to me, and I'm excited to see these projects grow over the next several years and certainly find ways in which the museum can collaborate yeah. um, and be in partnership with yeah. all of these institutions. So more on that note, Tom, talk about how your uh, organization helps support local and emerging talent. Yep, I got a great example of that for you. We have a program, we haven't talked about this yet, but the Arts Festival, we have a program mm -hmm. at that for emerging artists. Uh, this year we're, we had 75 artists apply for that. That's where we teach artists how to show and market their work and price their work too at the Arts Festival. And it's all for local artists. Uh, we had 75 people apply for it this year. I think we're gonna be able to take 25 of them. They have a couple boot camp sessions and then they get to show and sell their work at the Arts Festival. And they are also eligible for all the artist awards that they give out, that we give out at that event. So it's a boots on the ground training for emerging artists. And we've had quite a few successes and award winners out of that program. We love helping the emerging artists. We also, um, over the course of last summer, we had focus groups on our grant programs for artists, and we've changed a bunch of them this year after listening to that mm -hmm. feedback. We did it um, actually at the Lincoln Theater. We had focus groups there, and we had a facilitator. We stayed out of the room, so artists could feel free to say what they wanted to about GCAC, and we've made some significant changes in those programs. This year, we're going, and we're gonna get more money out to the artists this year as a result of that. We're gonna have 50, the artists, part of it was they wanted to be eligible for, as you would expect, receiving more money than just the basic mm -hmm. um, supply grant that we give out. 
So this year we're going to do 50 awards to artists at $10,000 each, and there also will be eight awards for filmmakers at up to $25,000. So we're going to put a lot more money out into the community, not just for the emerging artists. We'll have that program for them, but for the artists that have been here too. So we're, quite, we're actually quite excited about that. The new guidelines for all this are on our website. Uh, they're in place right now. We just did that um, earlier this week, I think, and we're ready to go. Community partnerships. Let's talk community partnerships. Uh, yeah. Community partnerships, community collaborations, uh, the Columbus Way, public-private partnerships, all of those things are very much Franklin County and mm -hmm. is what we do and how we do it and, and, and how we win competitions that we may go in and others may think we won't win and we come out on top and, and, we, and we walk away with the medal. Um, Brooke, will you talk about uh, some community collaborations with schools, mm -hmm. educational and nonprofit institutions that you have uh, been exposed to so far yeah. and that you are pleased that they exist and knows that you want to amplify, grow, amend, modify. Yeah, and thank you for saying those that I know because we have a lot of programs here at the museum and I say that it's taking me months and will probably take me more months to get to know every nuance of what our curators and our educators do. They're pretty hardworking. But um, I was thinking about some earlier when you were talking about the Discovery District. Um, one in particular is a highly celebrated program called Wonder School. Um, that's, I think, in its sixth year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's a laboratory preschool program where we've partnered with Columbus State Community College, also a neighbor, as a CCAD here in downtown and in the Discovery District. And um, teachers in training partner with our arts educators to devise curriculum that is, you know, art-based and, and sort of art-driven for preschoolers. And it's a really wonderful program. It's gotten a lot of recognition. I actually am headed, of all places, to Canberra, Australia this month with our head of uh, learning and innovation here at the museum to talk about the Wonder School. We were invited to speak at the National Art Educators Conference in Australia because they've read about this program and they're that enamored by the program and interested to hear more about how we've collaborated with Columbus State and how we have developed this program over the last five years. So I say that to say, you had the perfect intro. We have been highly celebrated for this program. It's been written about, it's been awarded all kinds of recognition, and it's really wonderful to be able to take the Columbus story internationally and to, to talk with our peers abroad about how they can create a similar kind of partnership. Um, in addition to the Wonder School, we also do an annual Columbus uh, City School Day, and that's a day where Columbus City School students and their families like our free Sundays, are just invited into the museum, not only for free admission, but with an open studio where they can work and experiment in our Center for Creativity, in all of the studio spaces and all of the lab spaces, and have access to free materials um, and do art projects throughout the day. And it's actually one of our highest attendance days of the year. Um, so we, we work with Columbus City Schools, we work with Columbus State, and we work with OSU, a number of education institutions in the city. Um, we Tom could go on and on. We could go on and on, yeah. but you yeah. mentioned, and I wanted to yeah. say thank okay. you for mentioning sure, the Amina yeah. Robinson project. Um, that's something that we work on with you guys, mm -hmm. and we have actually a writer in residence who's just mm -hmm. about to start. Yeah. We have about three visual artists per year yeah. and then a writer each year. Um, so I think that program 
drawn on our mm -hmm. wonderful collection of Amina Robinsons, as Tom mentioned. Amina left her estate to us, and we have not only a deep collection of her work, but also of Elijah Pierce's work, mm -hmm. um, has been the inspiration and the genesis of a residency program that is open to black creatives, not only visual artists, but also writers. What's great about that is that it also allows us to kind of incubate artists here, introduce them to the community, and then give them the opportunity to create projects, whether it's exhibitions here at the museum or with other arts organizations in the city that they might get to know during their residency. Um, it also allows us the opportunity to consider acquisitions for the collection from those residents from their time here in Columbus, where they may have made a work inspired by their time in the city or in the region or something that reflects mm -hmm. a bit of our history. So I think that partnership wouldn't be possible without G yeah. GCAC well, to help us sort of... Thank you. And I think we're it. about to welcome the newest fellow, mm -hmm. I think in yeah. early February, if yeah. I remember right. And so. we do try with the program to... There's always a local fellow each year, uh, as well as mm -hmm. national fellows who move to Columbus and live in Amina's house. But we kind of mix um, our selection of mm -hmm. Columbus-based creatives and makers as well as those who are coming to Columbus and visiting for three or four months and staying in the home. I was reminded a couple weeks ago of a big partnership that Kappa and Ballet Met do with Columbus City Schools and the Nutcracker. Yeah. They have an 11 a.m. Nutcracker performance that they, the reason why you know it's happening is because all of State Street is lined with yellow school buses and the kids get to come down and see a real, have a real ballet experience and it's fabulous. We have done, we encourage collaborations. We've done multiple citywide things. I think of the celebration of the 100th anniversary of the Harlem Renaissance, which oh, yeah. was an idea that Larry James yes. brought to us. Mm -hmm. And we probably had 25 arts organizations, including the museum, involved in that. It was a year-long project. Everybody was doing programming around that. And my point of pride on that is we did it before New York City did it. Yeah. I've got that exhibition it. catalog on my desk. Do you? Yeah. yeah, yeah it was it's a, a great uh, catalog. Yeah, so. That was a big After, deal. I had a book in my office yes. and someone mm -hmm. just asked about it yesterday. Yeah. After, mm -hmm. uh, tragically, after George Floyd was murdered, we did murals on the plywood where all the windows were broken out. We did that with Kappa. We paid every artist to do that. Uh, you probably have that book, too. We created a book afterwards uh, that documented the whole thing. All the artists are featured in there and essays by local black creatives. It's uh, quite a stunning piece of work. I've got to get you one of those if you don't I have I don't one. know if I've I might have okay. seen it in the museum, okay. but I don't think I have okay. one in my office. All right. I would love that yeah. one as well. So we're at collaboration is the key. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we can encourage that in the grant making process because mm -hmm. we ask the grantees about yeah. that work mm -hmm. and what they're doing and they write us about and you know it. I know the county has been big fans of transit arts and investing in transit arts yeah um, and, and just just how talented uh, our youth are and how art uh, allows them the opportunity to um, express themselves um, in ways that are very positive um, you hear, we hear a lot about uh, the, the negative things, but art gives kids a positive outlet. Um, and one of the things that we do, Tom, and, I'm, I'm, and you collaborate with us on, and, and I know our commissioners um, enjoy um, doing it, is we highlight um, our uh, students that are exceptional in, in arts. 
and, and, and academics um, collectively, um, just like we celebrate our state champion athletes. Yes. So mm -hmm. talk a little I bit about I love that event every year. So Brooke, once a year, they gather um, the arts leaders, the, art, the best art talent from every local high school. Okay. We have them in for breakfast. They get to meet the county commissioners, go to see a real live county commission meeting. And That's I great. get to talk to them, and they are the most astounding group of creative students, and it's across all disciplines. So it's photographers, artists, playwrights, poets, um, filmmakers, and they come with their mom and dad, and they bring their teacher or their advisor with them. It's a quite a special event. My guess is that's coming up sometime soon here. It has to be, because I haven't spring. seen it yet, and I'm yeah. closing in on eight months. So They bring all of their art. It's, it's, they bring it's their art with them. Yeah. That sounds art, fantastic. And you, and you get a chance. We have, we have like a, really little, a reception where we get a chance to talk to the students. and uh, Many of them are shy, especially when we first uh, begin yeah. uh, the meetings, but they open up over time. So it's, it's, it's Well, for me, great. I get to tell them that the county commissioners support the arts in Franklin County. Mm -hmm. And that's a significant way for me to, again, thank the commissioners, but these students and the parents need to understand that there's public money going into the arts. Got it. It's important, yeah. Okay, tell me, uh, uh, Brooke, a fun fact about yourself. <laughs> oh, fun fact. I might have to think about this, let's see. A hobby, um, just totally unscripted. Well, you like you like I mean, this you is like not Chardonnay, not Pinot Grigio. What I what, am actually, know? I love rosé, um, but I have never really thought of myself as a huge sports fan. Which, yeah, so full stop. But that's changed in recent years, and I think one of the most fun things that's happened since I've been here this year has been following and getting to know the Columbus Crew, and then being a part of their big win of the MLS Championship. I grew up playing soccer. I grew up watching and loving you. soccer yeah. in my family. So even though I'm not really a sports person, I don't feel like I'm a real, like, I've followed soccer my whole life and love soccer. And so to land, and knowing they were a good team, this is not their first, I think it's their third championship. Their third championship. But to just sort of, you know, be getting to know the team and going to games and sort of getting involved with sports in that way in the city. And then they won. I thought, well, this is great. It's like a perfect... First it year. was all for you. It was all Brooke. for me. Yes. They won the championship. So it's a fun fact. So I think um, when I talk about the crew around the museum, people are like, oh, she does something other than art. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's something other. So yeah, people that's are cool. typically yeah, surprised yeah. when they hear we, that I love soccer. We have the crew. We built the first soccer Pacific Stadium in yeah. the United States. Um, we are a hub for uh, international soccer competitions. There is a, a love for soccer. We're going to have the All-Star Game. Yeah, the All-Star yes, Game is, is yeah. coming Very up. Exciting. And um, it's, when you go to a, 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 a crew match, the audience is it's phenomenal. so diverse. And, yeah. and it's, it's young, old. Spirited. It's spirited. Yeah. It's, um, I, I myself have, have drawn to appreciate soccer in a way that I didn't before. And... At Lord.com Stadium, it all has been amplified. Yeah, it's a wonderful um, stadium. That championship game, it was so I, it was so loud. <laughs> it was so loud. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing that a stadium of twenty thousand can sound like that. It sounds like many times more. 
I say that I haven't been to an OSU yeah. game, so I don't know what 120,000 sounds like. But it's There's exceptional. There's something about the, that the spirit, lower the energy contained in there, the way that's designed. Yeah. OSU is much more open. So yeah. But I, yeah, I'm a big crew fan. I love the stadium. I love that the city supports soccer and, you know, all the games are sold out. They've been sold out, like, every game, home yeah. game for three years. You know, it's um, great to see the community supporting a professional team in that way. Yeah, it was a, it was a perfect script to, to, to come back from 2 nothing against yeah. FC Cincinnati, our rival. Yes. Down the road, The yes. hell is real. Yeah. Yes. Yes. yes, that's been fun, understanding <laughs> yeah. that rivalry. and yeah. Oh, my goodness. So that's been this kind of fun other... Other narrative. Mr. Cassidy, <laughs> tell ask, us a fun are fact. Are you going to ask me the same thing? So I had some time to think about it while you, you, did. Were, while although, you were talking. Although my, right. my soccer answer was very genuine. I love yeah. That. So uh, you might find this kind of surprising. It's kind of funny about me. So during the COVID years, I had a little bit of a midlife crisis and I got a tattoo. Oh, <gasps> wow. And it's. <laughs> Yes. And it's a, it's an art tattoo. It's a awesome. Keith Haring dog. Yeah. Uh, Keith Haring is my favorite artist. He's an, he was an activist too, political mm-hmm. activist, anti-AIDS activist. And it's I showed it to you, but it's right here. Um, and it's the dog, the Keith the Haring, barking dog, the barking dog. So yeah. here's where we have something in common. We oh never, we've never what talked this? about this. Yes. Okay. My very first, I guess I would say, a sort of art or art history based paper as a high school student, I think I took whatever the version of art history is in high school, might be art appreciation. Yeah. I think I was in ninth or 10th grade and we had to do, I don't know, I guess they were called book reports at the time. Yeah. It all sounds very, very old fashioned now. But um, I did a biographical paper on Keith Haring. Oh my God. I might've been 14. I bet I have 15 Keith Haring books. You know, art yeah. books and biographies of him and uh, such a great, artist, person, tragedy in his life, dying of AIDS at 31. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that was in 1991, if I remember right. He was originally from Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. And ran with people like Andy Warhol. Jean-Michel Basquiat. Yes, all this. It was a very heady time. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he became synonymous with the New York art scene in the 70s and 80s, Lower East Side, the East Village. Um, But yeah. Do we need to drag that paper out? I probably could find it. I don't know. I'm an archivist by nature. I'm sure I could find this paper. That's so interesting. Well, I want to see the barking dog one day. That's definitely a better than mine. I have no secret tattoos. That was a revelation. That was a revelation. We talk about talk of the county. Thank God that wasn't recorded. You know, many, many individuals just grew beards. Right. Or their hair got real long and they had to put a rubber band around it or something. But Tom here went to the next level and got some ink. Yes. Got some ink. The other thing about you getting your first ink, you want more. Really? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a debate with my spouse on that one. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I guess once they get in your bloodstream, you just want to, you know, go with the ink. Right. 
I think the neck is next, Tom. Oh, then I'm gonna oh, know yeah. you ready to retire when right. you when, right. When, right. when you get your when you get some fine art tatted on your neck. <laughs> and then I'm gonna know that it's, the retirement party done. invitation yes. is coming. And uh, one of my podcasts, I, I asked the uh, unknown guest. I said, um, "So I wouldn't take you to buy a Harley. Do you have? Do you have? Did you buy a Harley during the pandemic?" Mm. Did you? Have you ever ridden a Harley Davidson? No. Mm -hmm. Do you have a desire to? No. Mm -hmm. Have you, you ever driven a go-kart? Oh, many times, yeah. Yeah. Have you ridden a motorcycle of any type? Either well, yeah. one of you. On the back. Um, yeah, I didn't drive. A yeah. Vespa. <laughs> okay. Scooters <laughs> count. Scooter. <laughs> Let's get scooters <laughs> love, too. Scooters <laughs> count. They, they um, but not a real motorcycle, no. <laughs> Let's give the scooters some love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've, I've ridden a dirt bike. Back in the day, uh, not a Harley Davidson yet. Yet, well, something to plan. There you go. They're 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 beautiful American machines, and many people see Harley Davidsons as forms of art. Yeah, yeah they have beautiful. an art museum. They yeah. have a well, they have an art a museum of the motorcycle, I should say. Yeah, they're our neighbors. They have a Harley at they're, MoMA. I think probably some, in the collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, they are Milwaukee-based. They are not far yeah. away. And, um, yeah, people have, you know, uh, art of different sorts on their bikes, the way they, mm -hmm. they, they paint them in certain places. Uh, um, I, I have a passion for vehicles with four wheels myself. But yes. Uh, not the two-wheelers. I, yeah. I, like, I like vehicles with like four wheels. Like vintage cars or? I like Automobiles of any types. Really? Hmm. Old, new, everything what are you driving? in between. Uh, I drive a Lincoln Aviator currently. Hmm. Ah, that's a nice car. That's good space. Yeah, good space. I need room. When you're over 50, you, you <laughs> appreciate room and comfort much more. Comfort, yes. Comfort is. Yes. have a very appreciation for comfort, folks. You heard it on Talk of the County. We say we're here to educate, inform, and by accident entertain. So hopefully during this uh, podcast today with uh, our two great leaders uh, that define art in Central Ohio, um, Brooke Mento and, and Tom Casimir, the CEOs respectively of the Columbus Museum of Art and the Greater Columbus Arts Council. Thanks so much. And again, wherever you podcast, Talk of the County will be available for you to listen. And every time we will bring you something new. Um, just be yourself because no one else has time to do it. <laughs> See you later. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken. Yeah. Thank you, Ken.